When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, June 23rd from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at londonbridge.com if you want to interact with the show you can text in a question comment or complaint to 929-274-3437 or if you're brave enough leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437 this week the main storylines now that the dust has settled in the nba draft and albert Pujols finally returns home to st louis check your sources we're off now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. On the diamond, off the court, in the stadium built as a grand stage changing young basketball players' lives from a couple days ago, earlier in the week at the Barclays Center for the 2019 NBA Draft, which still has storylines abound, though the dust has settled after a couple days. Now, the first three picks, not that surprising. Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, respectively, I guess in a sense... It could be a surprise that the Knicks seemingly did the right thing with their third pick in the draft. Sometimes that doesn't go the way that a lot of people think it will when it comes to the New York Knicks, but the draft is always exciting. Not quite sure how it'll page out. There's always some trade that people don't see coming. The ACC in general shined early in the first 20 picks, which was nice to see as I'm a little biased myself toward the ACC, as people know. But overall, the draft is always exciting, and now we have the storylines moving forward of Zion and RJ, for starters, almost making summer league must-see TV because they'll match up to get things going in a couple weeks. We had trades that helped teams, maybe hurt teams, and now we play the what-if and we'll-see game, and we could start with our favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers, and what they're looking to do now with Anthony Davis and LeBron James in hand. We discussed it a little bit last week. We think they should go after other players to create a fuller team, a more well-balanced team, but it seems like they might be leaning toward bringing in a third superstar and going from there. We don't have any answers yet. They will be coming shortly, but now we have at least a little bit of optimism before things potentially get ruined. Well, Johnny, I'm glad you had a great week, as did I. Uh, the face of the NBA is changing as we speak and will change dramatically in all probability. Um, 
as we get going with free agency. And it's going to be a hectic couple weeks. It's going to start on June 30th slash July 1st. Verbal agreements can be entered into, I believe, on July, which is meant June 30th. And then off to becoming official on July 1. And as we talked about last week, so much of it was going to be up in the air in regard to free agency. But then the monkey wrench that really is caused complete havoc, havoc is the uh, terrible injury suffered by the one and only KD, Kevin Durant, followed by not as terrible, but terrible injury by his teammate, Clay Thompson, which changes the face of the Warriors, regardless of free agency, because it's doubtful that either one of them will play for any large portion of the season, uh, assuming Clay Thompson stays, which we all assume he will. Uh, but Kevin Durant, in all probability, won't play anywhere, regardless of where he signs. And you know, the question becomes, where will he sign? Will he opt in, which he has an opportunity to do, to his existing contract for $31 million in one year? Will the Warriors offer him the mega deal? Or will he go where he's been rumored to go for a good chunk of this past season? And that's to the New York Knicks. Regardless, he won't be playing anywhere for at least the lion's share of the season. So he will not change the balance of power as a player in this coming season, but he will be changing the balance of power in ter- if he leaves in terms of free agency, where he goes, would anyone follow him even though he's not going to play? Let's say, for example, he signs with the Knicks. Would anyone follow him to New York knowing that he's not going to play this year, but their future will be with Kevin Durant? Not the same Kevin Durant, but hopefully as close as he's been. So free agency in the NBA coupled with the injuries is going to make it the most interesting offseason, not just in recent memory, but really in my memory with respect to the NBA because of player movement and because of crippling injuries to the former defending champs uh, who are no longer uh, losing their two players and potentially losing one of those players to free agency and the impact it has on the players that we're going to follow potentially Kevin Durant, who now will they think about going to follow Anthony Davis, who is now a Laker. What will Kemba Walker do? The wild card is always Kawhi Leonard because no one has any idea or inkling what he's thinking or where he will go or what he wants to do. Everybody talks about the fact that he's always wanted to play back in Los Angeles where he's from. The Clippers have a ton of cat money. Is that a possibility? Of course. Other people think, why wouldn't he be happy where he is? I would think that. Never any case of, uh, uh, you know, the other cat, Irving, and the fact that he is really impossible to figure out. Because he's never satisfied. He's never happy, no matter where he is. You think he's fine in Cleveland. You think he's fine in Boston. He's fine in neither place. You think he's fine with LeBron. Then he's not. So it really is because of not just the free agency and the caliber of the free agents and the injuries, but also the makeup of these players. One being so internal and so tough to figure because he really doesn't disclose anything. And the other one who talks so much he creates a constant state of confusion in the two Ks, you know, Kawhi and Kawhi and, and, and Kyrie. So 
that along with Kemba Walker uh, in terms of what he wants to do and where he wants to play and where he would be best is really, and we haven't even mentioned Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, Philly going to keep him? Are they going to offer him a max deal? Does he want to go somewhere else? Now, now I'm hearing Dallas is in the mix. Uh, you know, I'm hearing Houston is potentially in the mix. It's somehow, some way they could get somebody to take uh, their $35 million point guard off their hands that nobody wants because he straps you salary-wise and his better years are behind him. So it's just the most catch-as-catch-can postseason in the history, I think, of the NBA in my lifetime. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported a couple hours ago on this night that Kawhi Leonard will opt out of his player option and is seriously considering re-signing with the Toronto Raptors. As we mentioned, though, no one has any idea what Kawhi Leonard plans to do with his future, what he plans to do tomorrow. He's incredibly difficult to read and is very well guarded with what he says to the media. But part of me as a fan in the two biggest stars that we've mentioned so far in Leonard and Durant, part of me would like to see them stay. And I've always been a little bit on that side of the line when it comes to players' careers and the joy, in a sense, of having one player stay with the same team for at least the vast majority of said career. And I don't know if that's being spoiled, say, as a Yankees fan, where Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera stuck around for their entire careers, and we didn't have the, oh, that's right, for the last two seasons they played with X, and then they played with Y to wind things down. We saw Tony Parker running around with the Hornets this year, and it just looks out of place to see somebody that spends their entire career with one team, and then as they're taking their last ride, they move elsewhere. Part of me wants to see it, not for the nostalgia purpose, because KD and Kawhi haven't been with their respective teams long enough for that, but for the competitive part of it. The Warriors coming up short this year because of that injury, something that would be a driving force for Kevin Durant. Something that would be, I have to come back because we didn't get the job done. I didn't get a chance to help us get the job done. It was a catastrophic injury, and now I have that motivation to work back. And to me, just looking at it on its face, it's not really the easy way out, but it seems like it would be a situation that would take him down a path that wasn't more challenging off the court. I mean, you go to New York and the franchise is going to expect you to win a championship right away, of course. Really, with any team KD's on, they're going to expect a championship right away. But in New York, the pressure builds. You're rebranding yourself in a sense, taking a team that hasn't seen success for a very long time and trying to bring that to them. I understand his competitive nature, and that's a completely different side of a competitive nature. Not only uh, getting back onto the court, getting back onto the court because of the competition side of things. This is for a legacy side of things, which he's always spoken about how important that is. For Kawhi, I mean, you've got it made, man. We saw what happened at the parade. We saw what happened at the games. We saw what happened at the Blue Jays game. He is beloved. He'll probably get a statue. He'll probably have his number retired if he were to leave today. But it seems like, why wouldn't you want the opportunity to try for another championship? Why would you 
want to leave what you've built in such a short amount of time only to have to do that again and take the risk seeing if you could strike lightning again well, either with the, the Clippers or wherever you go. The other thing is, and, and this is uh, Al Renato Gale from our clients at the Great John Time Lund, and we are uh, New Report, Old Report, coming to you live tonight on a Sunday uh, after the draft before the onset of free agency in the NBA, where really the NBA has taken over all of sports with respect to the championship series and a great postseason, the injuries that struck Golden State, Toronto pulling off uh, the huge upset and bringing Canada its first championship and sent our, our neighbors to the north in an absolute frenzy. Then the draft and now free agency about to start in a week or so. So they have been front and center now for really an extended period of time. And the thing that I find so interesting about Toronto is remember, they're always good. I don't want to call them the San Antonio of the East because that would be clearly giving them too much credit because San Antonio, five championships, uh, trips to the conference finals regularly, et cetera. Whereas Toronto, this, they finally had the monkey off their back and, and won a conference championship with all those trips to the finals, and, or excuse me, to the playoffs year after year after year, never be able to get by LeBron, etc. But they're still always good. And now they've got that guy. They've got that superstar. They, and who they also managed in this day and age of not playing every game and this notion that everybody needs the 82 and you know, Jordan played every game, and Kobe played every game, and you know, if you're old school like me, you expect your superstar to go out there and play every game because the fans pay to come see him, etc. Well, the new age is that it's more important to have the superstar ready for the postseason, and if the superstar is the kind of guy who, because of his physical construction, you may have to give some rest to during the regular season a.k.a. load management. And this is the result. Every major sport is a copycat league. So are we going to see this with other superstars? Are we just going to see it with Kawhi, no matter where he goes? The point is, they've already figured it out in Toronto. They had an extraordinary record in the games that he did not play this year, winning percentage of around 700. So they've figured out how to play without him during the regular season and still play well. They are coming back pretty much intact. Kyle Lowry, despite how well he played, and I think he was terrific, especially in game six, is in the final year of a $30 million contract, but still there this year. Uh, Gasol is making a huge amount of money, but he's got a player option, which he will, of course, take advantage of. Their young player, Siakam, is a burgeoning star. They've got the gritty-gutty Fred Van Vliet, who is not, not even drafted and a huge contributor for them in the postseason. Uh, they still have Ibaka. They have a deep bench. They have versatility. They have togetherness. They now have a championship. So they have figured it out with this one guy. It really is, I think, a perfect fit for him to stay because of the fact that 
it allows him to do what he did last year and potentially be comfortable in a scenario where he doesn't have to go somewhere and worry about literally carrying a team during the regular season. Clippers have some good young players, but if he goes there in the wild, wild west, who's going with him? He's not going out there by himself and carrying the Clippers to a conference championship. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I really don't. As great as he is. And he's not doing it playing 70 games or, or, or you know, 65 games. Unless that's the negotiating tool wherever he goes. Yeah, I'll come to L.A., but you saw what I did last year. I, 20 games. You, gotta, you can't expect me there for 20 games. That's how I roll. So you know, I, I have wondered from the time this transpired if this was going to be a a scenario that he was going to take to the bargaining table with him in free agency for everyone and b is it something that it's going to be copied by other free agents well the interesting addendum of the copycatness of the league it will be interesting to see if what his decision ends up becoming is copying what LeBron James did for so many years, signing the one-and-ones, saying to the Raptors, all right, this is what I'm worth. You'll have no problem paying it to me. Let's run it back, same teams. We'll see what happens. Then next year, if things don't go our way, if we come up short, or if we win again, I'm all in for one more year. Let's run it back. And then maybe I can come back again and accept the player option or we'll do this again next season and go through free agency. I'm not sure if he wants that. I'm not really sure if on the other side of the coin, Kevin Durant wants that either. Another complete season of this is nice, but what are you going to do next year? Immediately after the season ends, if your team either comes up short or wins the title, all right, now what? Another entire year of that, that's got a way on players too. But I think it'll be interesting to see if Kawhi goes that route where he says, all right, let's do another one-and-one one and see what, what happens. What do you think? For the record, it's prediction time because everything goes so quickly. Now, our next show is literally going to be the outset of free agency. So the question becomes, in your mind, if I were to say to you right now, you got to make a prediction without any more rumors, without any more innuendos, without any more things that we're hearing through the media – written insiders. If I said to my partner, John Tinyon, where is Kawhi Leonard going to be playing basketball in 2019-2020 NBA season? NBA season? Your answer would be? I think he's coming back for at least I one agree. more year. I, I do. Agree. And I think it was just terrible circumstance after terrible circumstance, feeling wronged that got him out of San Antonio to move on and request a trade that ended up getting him with the Toronto Raptors. He doesn't seem like the type of player that's going to hold severe grudges and throw temper tantrums and try everything in his power to get his way. It seemed like it was the perfect storm of situations and scenarios where he was like, listen, all of this has been adding up and I've reached a breaking point. I need out, which was a shame to see for the Spurs but look what happens for the Raptors. I, well, the I can't th- see him turning away the love and support that he's not only received from his teammates, his coaches, the owners, the GM, the fans. Everyone is on his side. I can't see him letting that go, at least not for one more year. And the trust. Because they 
made the trade for him. And remember, they, they gave something up. They gave up DeMar DeRozan, who was basically, you know, their star player. He was their number one guy. Right. Not not to the level of a Kawhi Leonard, you know, not a series finals MVP and a champion, but he was their number one guy. He was their quote-unquote face of the franchise. He was their highest-paid player and their best player. He was their perennial all-star. They gave him up, and they trusted Kawhi Leonard to come in healthy and give them the best he could give them. But they all showed him the trust where they said, okay, we understand the scenario. We're going to allow the load management, and we're going to work around it. And to me, that is the thing that if I were him, and again, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I never been close. I never will be. But just from the outside looking in, where he's going to make a massive amount of money no matter where he goes. He will be allowed to make the most amount of money in the coming year with the defending champs. But they trusted him coming off of this terrible scenario with San Antonio to not buy at a, a, a discount price. They paid a good price, a fair price. They, they paid their top player. And they got a great player. But they got a great player that came with question marks. Questioned by his own organization and his own teammates in terms of whether or not he didn't play when he could have played. He didn't go out there and help us out when we needed him. Tony Park, even Manu Ginova, raising eyebrows with their comments. Toronto said, here's the deal. We've done the reports. We know the scenario. We trust you to come in and do the best you can to put us where we haven't been. At the very least, into the NBA Finals and over the top to have a shot at a championship. We can't even get out of our own conference. They brought him in, and they played to him and with him and allowed him to take time off when necessary so he was the best he could be for the postseason and it paid off in spades so from a personal scenario in terms of trust and so often we hear about players not trusting management he clearly did not trust the management of the Spurs and they did not trust him so they said, we're going to trust you. And they put all their eggs in the Kawhi Leonard basket. And lo and behold, he rewarded them, and he rewarded them with, and granted, obviously it's not just him, it's a team effort, but they rewarded him with a championship, plain and simple. And I think that would lead me to, if I were him, that, that would lead me to stay. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Plus, you'd be staying in a conference that you have the best shot of doing what you did last year in. You could argue that the Bucks are neck and neck with the Raptors. Oh, absolutely. You could argue absolutely. that the third team is the Sixers. 
which they beat in seven games. Very difficult. So it's, it's not like it's a done deal that they would cruise past either team on their way to getting back to the finals again. But you could also argue that those are the two teams you'd have to worry about, and based on what happens leading up to the conference finals, you don't even know who you're going to end up facing. The Celtics could end up in shambles. Other teams had battled injuries. There's a lot more what-ifs than there is in the Western Conference, which as a whole now thinks the Warriors are going to have a slow, slow burn to get back to where they were. Let's get after it. And they're going to make the moves to get that done. You're going to throw yourself into that scrum? That's a lot. You know what you're going to get in the East. The other element of it is you have the certainty if you stay. You're coming back virtually intact. Whereas the teams you just mentioned, Philly, we're not sure the way Philly's going to come back. We know everybody's not going to be. Butler may be back, but they're going to bring back Butler and Harris and J.J. Redick. I seriously doubt all three of them are coming back. Right. What is, is Ben Simmons trade bait? Is Ben Simmons staying? There are always health issues with Embiid, the big guy. So even though they have all these, this talent, they still are going to lose some of it and are in somewhat of a state of flux, somewhat of uncertainty because of the free agent scenario. The Celtics, we know that it looks like Kyrie is out the door. They wanted Anthony Davis. We heard badly for years. They weren't able to pull the trigger on that deal. Where are they right now? Are they slowly but surely fading in, 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 into the Charles? Uh, what's the scenario there? Did Danny Ainge miss his opportunity? Did he not play his cards properly with all the picks that he had from the trade, the Nets trade? He's still got another 27 first-round picks over the next few years as a result of the Nets trade. You know, what's he really have to show for that? And who were the other championship contenders for the conference final? You know, excuse me, for the conference championship in the East. Indiana, well, Indiana's waiting to get their best player back, Victor Oladipo, from an Achilles injury. Nice young team, added some excellent pieces. But you know, their best player is a question mark. It's really Milwaukee, and they have a situation that is in flux. Lopez, free agent. Brogdon, restricted free agent. Middleton, free agent. So the only team that can come back intact, loaded for bear, healthy, happy, is the team coming off a championship. Right. And then so let's, let's sit the down. reason to stay. Let's sit down as well, Kawhi. Who do you want? What do you want? Do we need to bring in any other pieces? The floor is yours. You tell us if you want another center, if you want another guard, who we should trade. If you sign with us, you'll also have full reign to decide where we go from here if we need to make any changes. And with that, in conjunction with that, is a president of basketball operations who has now become the most sought-after front office person in the National Basketball Association. Masai is being sought after with an ownership offer, supposedly, from what we hear and read, by the Wizards, whether or not that is true or not. But supposedly coming to the, coming to the table with a $10 million a year offer. So whether or not he would have any interest in that, 
the Raptor owner said he's not going anywhere. Supposedly they're very close and that he's going to be locked up and there's no way letting him out the door. I know there's no way I'd let him out the door. I would say, tell me what you need to stack. Just tell me the number. That's all I want to know. Just give me the number and that's going to be your number within reason. Am I going to give you an ownership interest? Probably not. But you know, you want ten? You want me to match your ten million? Absolutely, no doubt about it. So, and, and he has become nothing short of brilliant in the way he has built this team. And he was the one who was willing to take the chance. He was the he was the one who was willing to put his all his chips and go all in on Kawhi. And as I said, it paid off handsomely, and they are NBA champions. So he deserves a huge amount of credit and also a huge amount of trust. Because he's the one who built this. Remember, we forget, they fired the coach of the year. The NBA champions are coached by Nick Nurse, a vagabond of a coach who made all the stops and became an assistant in Toronto. And they fired their head coach, who was the coach of the year in the NBA last year, who, of course, after they curled up and died like they accustomed to doing against Cleveland, he got shipped out. And as a result, you've got a rookie coach who's a champion coach. You've got a first-year player with a team who's won another championship and finals MVP. And you've got an executive of the year running the, running the show. So I, I don't know how you turn away from that. Because right now, everything they're doing is coming up roses. They can't make a bad play. I mean, they're hitting 17 and, and drawing four. Every, every, everything they're doing is coming up. Fred Van Vliet, not even drafted. He carries you in the fourth quarter of the championship clinching game. So it's uh, it, it really is astounding to their credit what they accomplished, the way they accomplished it. People accuse them of winning because of injuries. Look, injuries happen. They're a part of the game. Would they have won this championship if not for the injuries? Probably not. But that's water under the bridge. That's not their fault. Their job is to go out and play to the best of their abilities, play hard, play well, and they were the better team in this series. It's as simple as that. Before Clay Thompson went down, they were the better team in this series. They deserve to win, and they're the champs. I don't know how you would end up with a better situation than what you have now if you leave from day one. They can build and get you into the perfect situation, but I don't think you'll get that for a very long and it could take a year for it to happen for it to get to where you have it now with the Raptors I just find it hard to believe that he would want to let all that up but my question to you is this did you sign the petition that the mayor of Toronto vehemently and beggingly (laughs) offered to fans to sign to show the support of Kawhi Leonard because He apparently is, quote, getting harassed in Toronto with requests for selfies and autographs and other forms of celebratory actions. Please leave Kawhi alone, they scream. Held a press conference for it, Al. Problems going around in the world. We're holding a press conference to not bother Kawhi. Sign this petition instead. So I, I hope you sign the petition. We'll have to sign it before our show on Sunday so people know we're really in support of him staying. We're contributors. We want to be contributors. We think it's good for the league, and that will be the little piece 
of NBA contribution from new report old report. We're not going to be selfish as Laker fans and say, no, 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 don't just come to L.A., come and play for the Lakers. No, no, we are going to sign the petition and be in full force, full throttle, 100, here's the one I love, 110%, which there is no such thing, 110% in support of the finals MVP for the second time in a second championship staying put. Mr. Leonard, stay in Toronto. Stay north of the border. However, from a self-interest point of view as a Laker fan, do in fact stay in the East. <laughs> <laughs> and you have our E signature for support, Kawhi. We're all over. And, and being the old report, I'll let you figure out how to do that. Yeah, I got it. Last one on the draft. Is there a team or teams that you're most excited to watch play and or think could make some noise this season just based on what we've seen in the early going from draft night and if any trades were made along the way for them as well? Oh, I'm excited to watch play. I will tell you what I'm excited about from this draft. And I, this is not self-serving folks because you know, Al from white plains could not give a rat's ass about the New York Knickerbockers and doesn't have much good to say about the Duke blue devils, but I am excited to watch and see what the Knicks number one pick young, Mr. Barrett, the third overall pick in the draft does this year, because I think he has a chance to be a scoring machine in the NBA. I think this guy's game is so suited to the way the game is played and called right now, which gets you to the foul line when someone coughs on you. This kid, to me, has the ability. And I was talking to Brian Geltziler and Mitch uh, the other day on their show about this. There's something about lefties. I don't know what it is that no matter how many times you say, make them go right, make them go right, make them go right. And I've said this about Harden forever. And you saw the way the Lakers would overplay where they would almost play behind him and force him hard to his right. That somehow, some way, somewhere along the line in a big spot, it's still forgotten. And they wind up having the ability to get to their left and draw contact and get to the foul line if they don't make the shot. Or sometimes even if they do make the shot. Uh, and, and I think he is that kind of guy. He's got a body that is long and strong. He's not a skinny guy. He's not a life guy. He will, has the ability to take contact, play through it. And he's got one of those just incredibly soft touches where the ball gets put up you know, on the rim and will just kind of like dangle around. He'll be kissed up off the glass. And it's just, he's, I, I think one of those guys who just, some guys can just score. It's as simple as that. Some guys have got scoring in their DNA, and he is one of those guys. I, I, and he's a very cool customer. He's a very cool cookie. He never really seems to get flustered. You know, he was the number one recruit in the country or number two recruit in the country. Remember, Zion was number three. 
uh, he was he was he was the better player. And he may be the better all-around basketball player. He may not have the explosive athleticism and obviously, you know, uh, no disrespect to the brilliant athleticism and basketball acumen of Zion Williamson. But if his name was Tim, I, I don't think there would be as much hype if it was Tim Williamson. You know, Zion is part of the deal. I call him Zion the Lion. But if the point is... I, I think the kid the Knicks have selected has a chance to be a 25-point-a-game scorer for a long time in the NBA. And I think he's one of those guys who just, just a hunch based upon what I watched for a year, the movement, the way he gets himself around the court, finds over. He also looks like a guy, again, just a kid, but some guys you think may have a tendency to get hurt, and some guys you think may just be able to Never get hurt, you know, absorb contact and bounce around. And he just, to me, seems like one of those guys. And we'll see. So I, I'm excited for the opportunity to watch him and see what he does this year on a Nick team that's got to be better. It can't be any worse. And obviously, I'm, I'm excited about watching what happens in New Orleans. They traded the fourth pick. I wouldn't have. Uh, I would have taken... Uh, the kid from Vanderbilt, but they chose not to because I, I, I thought they were going to trade Lonzo Ball and take the kid from Vanderbilt, uh, Garland, but they did not. They kept Lonzo. Uh, they traded down with Atlanta. Uh, they took the big kid from Texas who you know, is very raw, but will obviously be a, a, a big defender for them. But you know, those are two teams right out of the box that I am excited about. Well, with RJ, we could have used some of that scoring against Michigan State down the stretch in the final minute and a half. <clears throat> but we won't go back to that moment in college basketball history. I am excited to watch RJ play, especially being in New York and having an easier chance to potentially just slip in on a game here and there when they're not playing as great of a team to afford it. Because even though the Knicks haven't found success Seemingly in our lifetime, I know that's a little far-fetched, but it feels that long, especially if you're a Knicks fan yourself. Tickets will be a little bit too high in the early going. So eventually I'll get to see RJ play, hopefully. But that's going to be exciting to see what he's capable of, and he's already been giving all the right answers. He was already asked, are you ready to be the face of this franchise and carry this franchise to the promised land, basically? Which is a ridiculous question, and, but he answered it perfectly. Like, I'm just, I'm 18, 19. I'm just going to go out and play my game of basketball, and hopefully that'll come, but it's not going to come day one. It's impossible. I'm just going to go out and play, have fun, enjoy this, and we'll see what happens. I think as far as the team goes... He'll have a tough time as far as the wins and losses because, as we know, the Knicks, unless they make some fantastic triumphant free agent signing, which all signs seemingly are pointing to they're not going to once more, it's going to be a struggle as far as the year goes, but hopefully he well, can be a shining star in that at least. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Let me interrupt you and ask you on that free agent front. I asked you about Kawhi Leonard, 
and now I'm going to do the same thing with you again in terms of, and, and I think this may go out for a while, and I could be dead wrong. One, and, and we'll get back to the Duke youngster, the next first round pick, uh, here on New Report, or Old Report, uh, in a minute. But my question to you is really twofold. Do you think that Durant's decision will be a quick one or will be one that lingers for a little bit? And number two, do you think he will make the move with a, if a max offer comes from the Knicks, do you think he takes it? I think he'll be one of the last to go. <laughs> Just seems like that'll be his MO. You know, if it wasn't for the injury, I would be more akin to say, yes, he would leave for New York. But I think with this injury, I think that has him stay one more year at the Warriors, similar to Kawhi. And not necessarily just to spend the entire year rehabbing, because on the surface, at least as fans, we would be led to believe that he would want to get as far away from the Warriors training staff and doctors as possible, just based on what went down in his last two months of the season. But I think with the injury, that might change things, and that might make him reconsider leaving, not knowing at this moment, in these next couple of weeks, what he'll be like in 10 months to a year. Maybe there's some fear there where the Knicks, as we mentioned, will expect him to lead them into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs, preferably to the finals, his first year. But what if he's not himself the first year? What if this takes a little while to get back to what he needs to be? What if he's able to come back and play next season toward the end, but he's nowhere near Kevin Durant. What if it takes two years? That might be a fear in his mind of, if I'm going to make this move to the Knicks, I'm ready to win right now. I want them to bring in the pieces for us to win right now. And if he's not ready for that right now, maybe that's a roadblock where he says, I'm not going to do it just yet. I'll take one more year. That's well, where another, I'm another, another piece to that could well be, when he meets with them, which I assume he will, what are you doing? What are you doing this season with me or without me? If I come this year, can you get somebody? I'll do my best. Are you prepared to bring somebody else in? Right. Whether it's Kemba Walker, whether it's Jimmy Butler, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, Kyrie, obviously not Kawhi. Like a but, don't worry about me. Still do what you were planning on doing. Sign these guys. I'll be back. Don't just think, well, or, Kevin's going to miss or, or the season. Let him go. Right. Or, or maybe I'll come. But the point is, you know, you don't want to commit. If I'm going to come, are you going to are you gonna bring somebody else in? Right. And because I'm not going to be here for a year. So is somebody else going to come in and get us ready? And, and then I'll, I'll be here. Versus no one else coming. And he comes and he waits a year and he watches them develop and he watches the first-round draft pick. And I agree with you. I think the kid has got – and it's amazing. I mean, in watching, as you know, the old report, over time, how these kids have evolved. They're so mature when they get to this point now. Versus, no disrespect to the young, the years, many years ago when these guys came in as younger guys. It, it, it was just, you know, a. a they, they were bright-eyed. They still are, but there's so much more 
mature. They're so much more polished because of their experience with the media, social media, etc. that they, they look ready. They look like they are uh, you know, ready to step in to the NBA scenario uh, the second that the, you know, that their name is announced and they're young men. They're young men who are now becoming professionals, but it seems they're much more ready to be professionals now than they ever were. So, and we saw that, and I thought it was one of the best moments of the draft right away when Zion gets called number one. Everybody in the world knew he was going to be the first pick, even himself. He still shows an incredible amount of emotion after being taken as the first pick. And Maria Taylor, I thought, did a great job of guiding that interview. Once he became a little bit too emotional, she moved on to mom. She started to become emotional. She moved back to Zion. And you really just felt the relief of all this hard work finally paying off literally and figuratively on that night. We saw it with R.J. Barrett as well with his father. Incredible moments to see these kids grow up right away and live out their dreams. And now they get to go out on the court and prove it. And I think for Zion's case, he's entering a situation that's a little bit different than number one picks in the past where they're often going to, as we know, literally the worst teams. He's going to a team that's bringing over half the Lakers that weren't half bad when they were all playing healthy. That's a great way to start your career. Still young, those Lakers players, but they have a couple years already under their belt. They'll be able to help him along as will Drew Holiday and the owner Who I and love, the coach. By the way. Me too. I, I love I love Holiday. They've mentioned several times over, we're not expecting Zion to be the face of this franchise. Right now that's Drew Holiday. Right now he's he has no pressure on him. And I think that's gonna help him out not having that huge weight on his shoulders day one. So that's going to be exciting to see just because I think he'll be able to play with a little bit more freely and with not as much pressure. And the big team that a lot of people talked about too to close on the draft is the Atlanta Hawks just based on what they were able to acquire with DeAndre Hunter, already having Trey Young, Cam Reddish coming over from Duke. I think the problem that they have is you're going to ask DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish both to turn into better versions of themselves in college in the NBA day one, it seems. I don't think they're ready for that, and I think they're going to need two to three years to really start to get their footing in the league. We saw a lot of shimmers and a lot of signs that, they're go that they could be great players, but after watching, obviously as a Duke fan, watching enough of Cam Reddish and seeing DeAndre Hunter play for Virginia as an ACC fan, they didn't have a lot of games where they knocked your socks off. There were more games where you went, hey, what happened? Where's DeAndre Hunter? And we saw that in the tournament. I mean, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy won them the tournament in a sense. Cam Reddish never had a game for Duke where he went off for 30 and he said, here he goes. You can count on three fingers the big shots that he had, and he's supposed to be the best shooter on their team. So I think they're going to take a little bit more time. So Hawks fans should, and I think they will, be willing to wait for that to happen. But that's another team that could, over time, eventually they're going to grow up. 
all those six or seven guys that they have on that squad. So they'll be another team that in a couple of years you might think, wow, the Hawks are kind of for real. I do want to get your thoughts before we go since this happened this weekend, and I'm shocked that it took this long to happen. It seems like it would have just come about. Incredibly amazing. Incredibly amazing. Eight long years. Yeah. Albert Pujols finally folks. back in St. Louis. What took so Albert long, Pujols Albert? finally comes home, and here's the question I want to ask you. The Cardinal fans are being called on the carpet by a lot of talk show hosts for cheering and giving him a curtain call when he homered on Saturday uh, to make the game uh, four to one. Uh, do you have any problem with that? You know how much I love the competitive nature of baseball. Like, for example, the Louisville pitcher against Vanderbilt striking out one of the players, taunting one of the players, and then taking the L once Vanderbilt came back and beat Louisville to advance to the College World Series yes. National Championship. Yes. I mean, he said, yes. I celebrated after a strikeout. They celebrated after they got the hits off me and won the game. What can you do? So I love I love the bat flips. I love Stroman against the Red Sox today, getting a strikeout and screaming at the dugout at the top of his lungs. I love it. I should then hate opposing fans giving a standing ovation to an opposing player hitting a home run. But this was one. Of, this will be one of the best moments of the 2019 season, hands down. I. I, I it was absolutely incredible. Not only that he hits the home run, Al, in general, to hit the home run in your return back to St. Louis, but then to get the ovation that he got, to be hugged at home plate by Yadier Molina, his first at bat, longtime teammates, everything about it to me was what makes baseball great. For those who are not that familiar with my favorite team and the way things operate in St. Louis uh, on the new report or report, Yadier Molina has basically developed a tradition that when a Cardinal comes home, when a former Cardinal from World Series hero, MVP, David Freeze, who will never buy another meal again for the rest of his life in St. Louis, to Skip Schumacher, to Daniel Descalzo, when they come home the first time, their first at bat, Yadier Molina steps out in front of the plate and does a little landscaping to allow the St. Louis crowd to give an ovation, which is usually a standing ovation, whether it is David Freeze or Skip Schumacher or Daniel Descazzo, because the St. Louis crowd always shows an appreciation for their players when they come home. That has been a long-standing tradition that Yadier Molina has started, and you knew it was going to happen Friday night. You didn't know to the extent it was going to happen, but what happened Friday night in the top of the first inning, and he came to the plate, it was really something special to see uh, a standing ovation that lasted somewhere between two and three minutes as Yadi stood out in front of the plate and the crowd went ballistic and they exchanged a huge hug and then he got back in the box and just missed hitting right on off of Mike Waka. Of course, he had the home run the next day that brought the standing ovation and the curtain call. Remember, this is the first time he has been back to St. Louis since he left the 2011 World Championship team. He was a three-time MVP. He led them to two World Series championships, as well as multiple appearances in the postseason, the NLDS, the NLCS, and World Series loss to the 2004 Red Sox. 
He is a player for the ages, folks. The numbers don't lie. You just have to look. Third all-time in RBIs. Climbing the all-time home run list. Will he get to 700? I don't know. He could become one of only uh, four players with 700 home runs. The fourth player with 700 home runs. We'll see if he gets there. But the point is, this is an all-time player in the history of the game. And this is a player whose first 11 years as a Cardinal, without a doubt, look him up, analytics, statistics, home runs, RBIs, OPS, war, whatever you want to use. His first 11 years, as a, and his only 11 years as a Cardinal, were the greatest first 11 years from an offensive standpoint in the history of the sport. And that's what the St. Louis Cardinal fans saw for 11 years. A guy who went there and played every day in 2011, came back early with a bad elbow, played hurt, didn't care what it did to his numbers, didn't care that it resulted in the one season that he didn't hit 300, he hit 299. Because in the last at bat of the year, a ball that should have been a sacrifice fly and an RBI because of a late jump was an out. So he didn't get the sacrifice fly, he got the at bat. Right, and wound up at 299 instead of 300. That's what the Cardinal fans saw for 11 years. The last of which was a world championship, which included a World Series game in which he had three home runs in Texas. And started the winning rally in what looked like a dead-in-the-water game six. Me, the rally that tied the game in that fateful bottom of the ninth with the, before the David Freeze two-out, two-strike double. A rally that he started with a double, which people forget. This was the greatest St. Louis Cardinal of my lifetime. And my favorite all-time player is Lou Brown. My favorite all-time pitcher is Bob Gibson. Two Hall of Fame Cardinals from the 67 and 68 teams. But this is the best Cardinal I've ever seen. This is the best right-handed hitter. No disrespect to Manny Ramirez, who was a cheater. No disrespect to Miguel Cabrera. No disrespect to Paul Molitor. No disrespect to other great right-handed hitters, power or otherwise. This is the greatest right-handed hitter whose full career I've seen in my lifetime. I say that objectively, not as a Cardinal fan, as a baseball fan. I saw Willie Mays and Hank Aaron the last third of their career. Basically, I saw them as I see Albert Pujols as an angel. I never saw them the way I saw Albert Pujols as a Cardinal. From beginning to end, this is the best right-handed hitter I have ever seen. He is a brilliant baseball player. He was a gold-glove defender. He wasn't fleet of foot, but he was a great base runner. And if you ever want to show your kids, your players, whomever, what greatness is all about and what effort is all about and what respect for the game is all about, don't watch the home runs. Don't watch the great plays. Watch Albert Pujols' last at bat Friday night. Down a run. Tying run at the plate. He steps up, gets fooled on a pitch, pokes it off the end of the bat to Matt Carpenter, and somehow, someway, those 38-year-old legs that are beaten into submission, he found a way to give every last ounce of effort and miraculously beat it out for an infield hit. Show that to Bryce Harper, show that to Manny Machado and tell them, if you want to be great, if you want to be a player for the ages, 
if you want to be respected, if you want to be an all-timer, that's the way you play the game. That's the way you treat the game. That's why he gets a standing ovation from a fan base that loved him, that hated the fact that he left, but know they got to see the greatest 11 years in the history of any player in this sport, anytime, any place, anywhere. Couldn't have said it better. Al, it is always a pleasure. Next week, the NBA will be back. Nobody circles the wagons at this time of the year, quite like the National Basketball Association. We'll see if some of our free agency predictions and thoughts come true, but it should be an exciting Sunday, and we'll be back to talk all about it. Johnny, always my pleasure for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. New report. That's him. Old report. You know that's me. I am Al from White Plains, the real handles Al Renato. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Thanks for tweeting. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.